if that's your medicine, if, if mountains are your medicine, you know, if that's where you find joy, if that's where you find peace, if that's where you find healing, then something like TA, it doesn't necessarily have to be TA. But I honestly think if everybody could do something akin to it, and maybe it's like solo travel or something, it just gets you out of your comfort zone, you know, and, and gets you to sort of experience the world in a different way to the way you experience it when you're at home and going to work and, you know, just living day to day life. It, should be something that everybody should do because I honestly think it would make the world a better place. This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, moms, students and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road or you work a nine to five and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car and turn up the volume. If you've ever cooked a meal from scratch in the bush, you'd know how challenging it is. Backcountry Cuisine have solved this problem with freeze-dried meals that are lightweight, delicious, nutritious and so easy to prepare. With breakfast, lunch, dinner and dessert options, as well as vegetarian, vegan-friendly and gluten-free meals, they have something for every adventurer. Backcountry Cuisine are my go-to for yummy meals on the trail and I also keep a stash in the van just in case. For quick and easy meals for all your outdoor adventures, use the code ABIGAIL for free shipping off your next order. That's A-B-I-G-A-I-L for free shipping off your next Backcountry Cuisine delivery. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Kia ora, welcome to Aotearoa Adventures. I'm really excited to be sitting down with Jermaine today. Um, can you introduce yourself for listeners? Hi, um, I'm Jermaine. I've done a lot of tramping and stuff like that. I work on the ambulance, actually, um, as an EMT, so that's kind of cool. And um, yeah. That's really awesome. Whereabouts are you located? Um, I'm in Ashburton. Yeah. Yeah, so we get a really interesting like mix of work down here. Yeah, I can imagine. And I suppose that also means you're ideally located for all the tramps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mid Canterbury's, um, it's a bit of a gold pot, really, especially yeah. up the back of, um, I only learnt the other day that um, Hakateri uh, National Park is not Hakateri or Hakateri or however you want to say it. It's actually Hakateri. It's spelt with a W. Wow, Funnily enough, should be spelt with a W. <laughs> That is really interesting because I was just there like earlier this month and have been going around saying kakatere. But that must be a dialectal difference because I know that there's some iwi that drop the fa and just have a ha. So that's super interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't actually um, learn about that until um, the council have been building their new building and they've named it, um, well, I can't remember the exact name, but huakatere is in the name. And everybody was like, why is there a W? And apparently that's the way it's actually supposed to be. So it was a spelling error a long time ago, supposedly. Wow, <laughs> wow that's super interesting. And it just shows how how long of a journey we have to sort of reclaim those names and the language. Like we, we think we've got it, but there's there's so many layers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Eh? Um, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Have you always lived in Ashburton? Did you tramp a lot as a kid? What did that sort of look like? Um, I grew up in Ashburton. Um, I actually grew up 10 minutes from where I live now, so I haven't gone far. <laughs> but I've lived in Australia for a little while. I lived in Christchurch mm. off and on for several years as well. 
Um, yeah. My family weren't particularly big into like tramping and stuff like that. It was actually a teacher that I had in primary school. Uh, took a bunch of us sort of senior, if you want to say that, primary school kids um, up to Walshie <laughs> Creek Hut back when it was oh, still awesome. the old Musterer's Hut and they still had the sauna yeah. up Walshie Creek. So that was wicked. Um, and we had two trips up there. The first time we just went up to Walshie Creek and then the second time we did the whole back half of the circuit. Um, and yeah, initially I just thought it was all pain and I hated it, especially that climb to the summit of the saddle from Walshie Creek Hut. It was just like the never ending climb when you're 11 and it's clagged in and you can't see anything. Um, but it just sort of sparked off a bit of uh, an interest in me for like what's out there and a bit of adventure and that kind of um, there's almost a little bit of a thrill in it, you know, especially as um, going out there like solo is definitely you know you're, you're kind of out there on your own and you have to rely on your own senses and stuff so yeah that was where it all sort of started and I got more into it in my teens um and then especially in my early 20s and then did coast to coast um in my early 30s a couple of times and TA and yeah <laughs> yeah tell me briefly a little bit more about coast to coast because I don't think I've had anyone on the episode that's actually done it or if they have they haven't told me that they've done it um, <laughs> so yeah just tell me about that race um, for people that might not have heard about it or don't know what it is so coast to coast is absolutely wicked um I first sort of set my sights on it it'll be man how old was I 19 20 so <laughs> looking at oh my god like 16 years ago <laughs> um <laughs> And it was just sort of back then, I thought it was just this crazy thing that crazy fit people did, um, you know, like full-time athletes and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's a, it starts in Kumara um, on the West Coast on the beach. Um, you dip your toes in the water. That's a bit of a tradition. Um, you run a couple of Ks and you tra uh, transition onto the cycle and you cycle for 55K to Aitken Corner. Um, and then you run up and over Goats Pass um, and you run I think it's 31k to Klondike if you're doing the two-day event you stay the night there and then you cycle 15k the following morning to Mount White Bridge um, kayak 70k down the Waimak Gorge which is just a really wicked bit of country um, you get out at the Gorge Bridge um, on the hot on the road to Oxford and then you cycle the last I think it's 77k now to New Brighton so yeah big couple of days but just such an awesome event so well run and the camaraderie among people that are sort of you know like at the level that I was doing it at um, is just phenomenal you know you run into trouble or whatever you're struggling a little bit like everybody kind of rallies around you offers a bit of cramp stop or something some painkillers <laughs> to get you over the hill like yeah. it's um yeah it's really really cool it's a lot of fun yeah oh that's so awesome yeah I, I'd love to be there just to watch one of the years um and see I know there's a couple of checkpoints where you can sort of see people arrive um and I think that would just be incredible to sort of witness I do not have the fitness to be able to even think about attempting that yet <laughs> um maybe one day when my knees magically heal um <laughs> <laughs> you only need your knees for goat past me you can you can struggle straight through that <laughs> I'll keep but that in mind <laughs> Yeah, like if you do want to start, nobody starts with the fitness, you know. Mm. Um, it takes a good year to build that up, mm. but it's just so cool. It's a wicked accomplishment. Yeah, that's awesome, and it's awesome that you loved it so much and went went round for an, for another go. 
Yeah, I did the tandem the second time around, which, to be honest, was a lot more fun. Um, I had a really good friend with a really similar sense of humour. The training missions were just absolutely awesome. We had an AR duo, um, which is the boat that we use for the race. We managed to borrow one to train in. And they have a little shelf, um, the person who sits in the back, just above their knees, and she bought this little Yui Boom. So every time we went down the porch, (laughs) she'd shove this little Yui Boom into the shelf and we'd have music. (laughs) Even when we tipped out because it was so jammed in there, it like stayed in there and the boat it's upside down and the music's still playing <laughs> that sort of waterproof speakers is yeah. for exactly that yeah. moment is what it was created for <laughs> um well let's talk about the ta um and how did you how did that sort of come about what first put the idea in your head to walk to Aurora? um how did it all start so i hadn't even heard of te Aurora, um up until about 2016 and I was doing St. James with a friend which was like my first real you know like multi-night tramp which looking back on it you know like the St. James is pretty tame (laughs) aside from at this time of year with all the avalanche risk and stuff at the moment um and we got to Anne Hut uh, which is the first hut on the St. James that's part of TA and we were all sort of settled in about ready to go to bed um this was february so it was about sort of i don't know 8 eight thirty at night and just coming on dark and here comes this figure just like coming out of the darkness wearing a head torch and he's got like this tiny pack on and trail shoes which you know to my mind back then i was like what is this man doing <laughs> he's wearing trail runners <laughs> look at his pack it's so little and then we like asked him you know where he come from he's a german fellow and he's like oh you know i just come from blue lake Hutt. i just went over wire pass and it was like you what <laughs> it's like a 42 <laughs> kilometer day and we wow. like Steph and I just looked at each other and we were like whoa so because he was German we dubbed him the Germanator <laughs> like um, and he's like yeah no I'm gonna walk out to boil tomorrow and we were like seriously that's like 32k which in our minds again we were like oh my god that's so fast so we decided to walk out to boil the following day too we were delirious <laughs> by the end of it but it was just so cool so um yeah that was where I first sort of heard of TA and it was a bit like coast to coast so coast to coast kind of embedded itself in my brain about 10 years before I got around to doing it and TA was kind of similar it was just that thing when I heard about it and then I started looking into it and the more I looked into it the more it was like oh my god like this is just crazy you know the fact that someone can walk that distance and not just walk that distance but walk it down the spine of New Zealand you know like it's some pretty crazy country um there's some incredible country there's some incredible incredibly challenging terrain in it as well and it was just this mental idea to me that people could actually push themselves to the point that they could achieve something like that you know it just seemed almost too big to grasp and I'm kind of um you know I I kind of turned on by that sort of thing if you like you know like it really gets me going it's like oh yeah, yeah this is like this thing that seems too hard to do um so yeah, it just sort of hummed away in the back of my head for a while and um, an opportunity kind of came up for me last year. I had the finances, um, I could wrangle the time off from work to do it. My boss was really accommodating um, and I just sort of decided I'd heard a lot about the North Island. You know, there's about 600 kilometres or so of road walking and I was like, I'm not down for that. I'm just going to hitch all of that, so I'm not going to do that. So um, yeah, I just decided to do the South Island. Like the South Island is everything that I love about tramping. It's mountains, it's vistas, it's heights, it's valleys, it's isolation. It's yeah, so that was what I decided to do. That's so beautiful, and you summed up the South Island just just perfectly right there. <laughs> yeah, I've I've done enough of it, sort of tramped around the South Island and stuff, and it's 
all just such stunning country. Yeah. What was the the catalyst that made you, how did you know it was the right time to do the TA? It had sort of been sitting in your mind for a little while. Um, What sort of happened that you were like, yeah, I'm going to do it now? Um, So I sort of, you know, I think I'd known for a long time uh, prior to TA that, you know, like mountains are where I find my peace. Um, mountains are where I sort of find myself a little bit. You know, you can kind of go out and pit yourself against the elements, pit yourself against a really big day, um, you know, and just all the challenges that are inherent with that terrain, the elevation gain and, and all that sort of thing. And when I first had my son, you know, I sort of, I'd lost a really big opportunity for a job to go over to the other side of the world and travel essentially for three years and get paid to do it. Um, and I just sort of felt a little bit lost. And that was when Steph, who was my friend that I did um, the St. James with, uh, we started doing this thing called peak bagging. And it just sort of turned into this crazy thing where it was like every time we went out, it was like, we have to do a bigger hill, we have to go further, you know, and it was just as far as we could get and as high as we could get in a day. And I just sort of found that every time I did that, you know, I just had this huge sense of achievement that I would be able to go out and sort of, you know, you could picture what you were going to do in the day and be scared by it, you know, just the size of what you were sort of going out to try and achieve. And then you go out and do it anyway. Um, and I just sort of felt myself finding confidence again in who I was and that I was capable of doing really hard things. Um, and it was a little bit of that. Um, it was a little bit of uh, last year. Unfortunately, the two-day event, because I was supposed to do Coast again last year as a team, um, and the two-day event got cancelled because of COVID. And it was just sort of like, I'm going to have a really solid level of base fitness because I wanted to go um, southbound or Sobo. So starting with the Richmond Ranges straight up, huge section, massive days, huge mountains to climb. So you need a really good solid level of base fitness if you're starting there because most people have the North Island under their belt before they get there. Um, and so it was a little bit of that and it was a little bit of, um, I'd been in therapy for sexual abuse for two years by that stage and I knew you know like going out in the hills for sort of two three days and just kind of decompressing and getting away from people and away from the person that did it to me was really really good for me and for my mental health um, and I don't think I acknowledged it when I first got on to TA but certainly the further I walked the more apparent it became that I needed that I needed that space um, and I needed that time to kind of process everything and sort of work through everything that kind of came with that. Um, and I think subconsciously I knew that when I started. Just, yeah. <laughs> mm, I was just going to say that. It's it's like you, you knew before you got started that it was something you needed to do, and then you got there and found out why. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a little bit of that. Um, just kind of gut instinct, really, a little bit. There was a reason that I really, really wanted to do it. And it didn't really become apparent to me until I was about two thirds of the way down the island. <laughs> yeah. And I think everybody's healing journey is different, isn't it? Yeah. Whether it's trauma and abuse that you're sort of healing from or it's depression and anxiety, whatever it is, everyone's got a different journey and a different path. And I think nature I love nature as my therapy as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I've been getting a little bit cranky. Um, I know that a good sunrise or hearing the waves laugh on the beach or going for a hike, like it, it does something to your soul. And I think that's, I know it's backed by science as well, yep. isn't it? But 
you also just know it as an individual and you know what you need. So that's really awesome that you were able to sort of identify that and just go all in, decided to walk the whole South Island. Yeah, man, no two or three days. It's like two months. <laughs> and it's so funny, you know, when you tell people it's like, oh, it like even sort of going to the start and taking the um, – the wee uh, water taxi out to Ship Cove and you know I had my little pack and everything and everything was so clean at the start <laughs> and I just had all these people sort of ask me like oh you know you're going to do the Queen Charlotte and I'm like yeah kind of and they're like what do you mean kind of and I'm like oh I'm gonna keep walking they're like where are you walking to and I'm like bluff and they're like what <laughs> you know every, everybody thinks just just gonna keep walking till I run out of land to walk on yeah just yeah. just gonna keep walking <laughs> I think at that stage I didn't I didn't think that my body would hold out I thought my knees would give out on me and it was just like I want to get to bluff mm. but I'll just keep walking till I can't yeah. anymore <laughs> um tell me about the most challenging moments for you both physically and mentally on the hike Oh man. Okay. So physically, um, there's a couple of three days, but especially the day between mid Wairoa and top Wairoa huts was just, oh my God, (laughs) it wasn't fun. Um, so I had a plan to get to Hunter's hut that day and it's like, oh yeah, 19 K, you know, I'd sort of been clicking over 20 K days at that stage. And I was like, that's doable. You know, I did, I think 15 K or so the day I went over the rentals and I was like, oh, if I can do that, then, you know, I can do this. And I'd read all the comments on far out and stuff. Um, and I knew it was a tough section, but I didn't realize how tough it was because you're literally just like sidling along these bluffs um, because the river gorges out. And it's just those four kilometers is, you know, you're monkeying along on these tiny little ledges and hanging onto roots and things like that. And there were times, you know, you'd look over your shoulder and it's like the river's sort of 10 meters or so, like directly below you. And it's like, um, is this safe? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Just hang on. Just keep shimmying. And I got to the end of that sort of like four kilometers where you finally got to the top of the gorge and you were back in the riverbed. And I was just absolutely drained, eh? Like it was so much harder than what I expected it to be. And I just couldn't wait to get to Top Wairoa. And even when I got to Top Wairoa, I was like, I still had this idea in my head. I was like, I want to get to Hunter's Hut. And then this huge thunderstorm rolled in and I was like, let's not do that. (laughs) I was sitting there in the hut, like listening to it and watching the lightning and stuff. And I was like, yeah, no, I would have been like way up on the ridge up on Mount Alice. And it was like, yeah, no, good thing. I didn't do that. So yeah, like physically that was really tough. Oh, it sounds like a very good call. Um, There were lots of days where the feet just really, really hurt. Um, That was probably the biggest battle that I had was just constantly with the feet. Um, Not so much blisters and things, but just hurting. Um, and yeah the the mentally tough days didn't come until further down the island and it was a little bit of just being physically and mentally tired Um, but also that was when all the other like the trauma related stuff sort of started coming up so yeah got interesting (laughs) what was it like sort of being on TA solo I guess particularly with those emotions sort of coming up did you have a support network around you or how did you sort of deal with things and process things as you were on your own? I think being on my own was actually one of the best things about it. So one of the things that I loved about TA um, and that I loved about like sort of being on my own out there was, you know, like, um, yeah, everybody's got their trauma um, and depending on sort of what you've kind of been through, you kind of know 
you know, who you can talk to about stuff, who's comfortable with it, who's not, and the nature of the kind of stuff that, you know, sort of I went through. Not many people are particularly comfortable talking about. So one of the really cool things about TA was you didn't have to worry about anybody sort of being around you and how you kind of needed to word things or, you know, how you sort of had to discuss it or raise it or like sort of shielding them from your emotions because naturally with that sort of stuff, there's some huge emotions. So this all happened a really long time ago, um, sort of going back 15, 16 years now. Um, and at the time I didn't understand, um, that that was what was happening because I was in a relationship with that person. Um, and it, I didn't sort of in my head think that that was what it was. It wasn't until really the Me Too movement and people started talking about, um, you know, their stories, um, and things that had happened to them. And I read one sort of story in particular scrolling through on Facebook as you do. And it was just like the catalyst for me going, oh my God, like I could have written, you know, what this girl has been through and um, just all these people in the comments underneath saying that's sexual abuse, that's, you know, rape. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, like, seriously, is that what's happened? And, and all of a sudden I just, like, everything just made sense. Why I was so angry, you know, because when you don't address these huge emotions that come with that sort of stuff, um, it kind of tends to come out as anger. <laughs> uh, anger is a secondary emotion. And so... I was a very angry person for a long time and to sort of deal with that anger and process that anger, I had to process the grief that was underneath it. And TA gave me the space to do that. Um, you know, that was one of the the really valuable things about doing it by myself. I had the space. I didn't have to be anywhere in particular. I didn't have to worry about anybody else. Um, I could just let it go. Um, and so I, I definitely, I spent a good few days, um, some days, you know, hours sometimes just sort of crying, screaming, slamming poles into the ground, um, you know, and just sort of processing what had happened to me, you know, sort of the things that I'd done in that relationship as well um, as a result, because of course, you know, the anger manifests in all sorts of other ways. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was amazing in that sense because it just gave me the space. It felt like the trail just kind of waited for me to do my thing. And when I was ready, I could get up and keep going. So yeah, it was, it was really awesome in that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really incredible to hear. And I thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I think in the same way that you were scrolling through Facebook and were like, hey, me too. Yeah. This is why we talk about these things, you know. This is why I am an advocate for talking about mental health and illness and there's no point sweeping things like sexual abuse or anything like that under the rug because that, that doesn't help anyone when you sort of keep it in the dark. So I, I really thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think I would have been exactly the same if I had a bunch of pent up anger. I would definitely be shoving my poles into the ground and screaming. And I think, yeah. like, I guess in nature, there's nobody there to judge you. Like, nature's not judging you. Like, there might be a bird that flies past or something, but they don't care. You know, it must have just felt like such a safe and validating space to be in. Yeah. And that's, that's the funny thing. It was kind of a bit of a juxtaposition because one of the questions that I got asked all the time, being a woman and doing TA on my own was, oh my God, do you feel safe? It's like, yeah, <laughs> I know my capabilities. The most safe I've ever that, felt. That's it. I know my capabilities. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I know what I'm putting myself up against and I don't have to worry about seedy 
males <laughs> you know in a bar or yeah. whatever um yeah I, I felt more safe out there than what I have in many places in public and society um and you're exactly right uh with the you know like nature doesn't judge I had a particularly heavy day um from Greenstone I intended to get to like I don't know maybe Boundary Hut or something walking to Mavora Lakes um and I just sort of got maybe five or ten minutes out of the hut and I knew you know, the lady that had left before me, she'd left half an hour, an hour before me. So she was miles ahead of me because she was a machine. So she's like, ah. so I'm like, I don't have to worry about her. And everybody else was like on Greenstone. So they yeah. were walking out the other direction. So I knew I was on my own. And I just sort of woke up that morning and I had this huge knot in my chest and I had this particular song and loop in my head. Um, just the lyrics were kind of bringing stuff up for me. There'd been a lot of things that have kind of been leading up to that as well. Um, mm. And I stayed with a friend in Queenstown and had a conversation with her and she sort of asked me that question. She was like, oh, have you had any really hard days like on the trail emotionally? And I was like, oh, no, like I've just had all this joy and all this gratitude because this is just so wonderful. I'm like living my dream right now. And she's like, no, I mean, like, you know, if you had any stuff to come out? And I'm like, oh, uh. <laughs> and she was like, you know, whatever it is that you're holding on to, girl, just let it go because that's what the trail is for. And, you know, there have been a couple of other things leading up to that as well, but that was kind of like the tipping point for me. And then we went out to Green on to Greenstone the next day and, mm. yeah, just all this stuff just came out and for like two, three hours. And then I just walked and walked and walked and walked and walked until I was absolutely exhausted and camped on the shores of North Mavora Lakes and it's, probably one of the most profound days like thinking back on it for me in terms of my healing journey um one of my most profound days one of my hardest days and by far one of my favorites mm. yeah have you um I think that's I think it's really beautiful that you use the word healing journey because it's quite literally a walk like a, a journey and both, <laughs> yeah. both ways um that's that's really special but have you been back to any of those places? Have you been back to Marvora Lakes or? Yeah. Um, so I did uh, the St. James again with my son mm -hmm. um, in January. And it was really, really cool because, of course, you get to Anne Hut and you're on TA again. And I was just like in tears <laughs> <laughs> walking up to Anne Hut. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm back here. And we were the only two walkers uh, staying in that hut that night wow. who were not doing TA. So yeah. like TA was like crazy busy this year, whereas last year, of course, all the borders were closed. So there were a lot fewer people doing it. And, um, yeah, I met some really cool people. We stayed with them again at Boyle Flat Hut the following night. Um, I took a bunch of them back out to Hamner. They were having a zero out there. And it was just really cool to, like, connect with people who were on that journey themselves um, this year. And then uh, back in March, my partner and I did a wee uh, road trip around the bottom of the South Island, and he made a point which was really, really sweet of including, um, like, we, we met, had to go all the way out to Mavora Lakes and just kind of sit there and take, like, 10 minutes. And I just sort of sat in the car and we didn't say anything and just kind of gave thanks for that opportunity mm. and, and that particular day and just being able to be there. And then we did the walk back into Kiwi Burn Hut because I stayed there the following night after the Mavora Lakes night and, you know, we – met some more TA people and stuff but yeah it was it was really cool the first thing we did because we went over to Stewart Island initially um was go you know because you take the ferry from Bluff and he just drove me all the way straight round to Sterling Point and it was the same thing again I was just like, <laughs> like crying You're like oh my god you know I'm back here again and oh it was just so cool so yeah absolutely 
make a point of, you know, on the odd occasion, you know, TA passes through the back of Wakateri um, here. And I love going up to Mount Barossa because you can see where it comes out the back of Heron. And yeah, so it's awesome. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I think it is quite special to revisit those places that do hold a significance for you, um, whatever those are. So that's that's awesome that you've been able to return to some of those spots. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about some of your favourite moments of the TA. What were the highlights? What were the days that you were just breath taken away? <laughs> Don't make me choose, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard. I'll give you three. <laughs> oh, okay. I have to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um. The first day, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd sort of been feeling it prior to that, but the first day, so like gratitude became a huge part of TA for me and feeling gratitude. And, you know, like obviously prior to that, I'd had gratitude in my life. I'd felt gratitude in my life, but it was nothing compared to, to what I got out there. And the first day I really, really felt that was um, – was the day I did the rentals actually walked from a slaty hut I think it was um and did the Ridge Walker Dreams someone had called it on far out so between slaty hut and the rentals you come up on a ridge and you just have the most magnificent view um you know sort of back behind you you've got the seaweed kai quarters and the southern alps and you know back up towards Marlborough Sounds and stuff like that and it was just incredible and I just remember popping up on the ridge and it was reasonably early in the morning and it was just golden light and I was just like how is this my life oh that sounds magic it was absolutely magic and I had made a habit at that stage of like chucking my my jabbers my earbuds in and just listening to these playlists um that I kind of made especially for TA so I had like something like 20 or 30 hours worth of music or something that I had to listen to um (laughs) good effort yeah and it just it just buoyed the whole mood of it you know and I don't I, I that was the first time I was just in tears just going like how did I get here how is this my life and mm. I was just so grateful for for the opportunity to do it for every single person that had contributed in some small way for just for me to be able to go out there and do this thing that I really wanted to do so that was probably probably the first um the first really cool like highlight memory um oh my god okay you can't make me choose (laughs) wyo pass was amazing um i was terrified coming into it because i'd heard all of these things and i was like oh my god i'm on my own it was nowhere near as um scary as i thought it was it was actually a lot of fun it was like being in a huge playground yeah so i had a really cool day doing that um stag saddle i uh made the decision to climb up onto stag saddle because the day following was supposed to be clagged in and cloudy and I wanted that view, you know, from up on the saddle and like Snake Ridge and stuff because I'd seen photos and I knew it was absolutely phenomenal. And I was like, no, there's no way I'm missing out on this. So I got to Royal Hut, which is where I was supposed to stay that night. And I was like, nah, flag that going all the way to Stag Saddle. It's like another 700 meters I had to climb. <laughs> I didn't factor that in. <laughs> I got to about sort of, I don't know, I had maybe another two or 300 meters to climb and my legs were absolutely had it. But I got to the summit of the saddle and just completely forgot about it. Like it was just the most insane view. Um, And I had to sort of drop down off the summit a little bit just because the wind was crazy cold. And there was a wee tarn down there and I just sort of camped up and got everything set up and got my um, freeze-dried meals like ready to go. And then I just sat on this little rock and just stared out over Tekapo and it was the same thing again. It was that gratitude, but it was magnified all over again. And it was just like, Mm. this is just the coolest 
thing ever, you know, and I honestly feel like just a little tiny wee bit that life had kind of peaked for me in that moment. Like it was, <laughs> it was just amazing. Well, I can hear the excitement in your voice and that's why I love this form <laughs> of like content so much. Like in audio, you get to hear that and you get to feel those emotions that, that you're sort of expressing. Um, yeah, that, it, it sounds absolutely incredible and that, yeah amazing <laughs> yeah no it was it was insane there was lots of stuff like after that as well um the longwood forest was was wicked it was a really cool section it was a lot of fun but um yeah stag saddle especially and wire pass were just like two of the coolest days that's yeah. so awesome do you have any advice for people that might be wanting to walk the TA, um, whether they want to just do the South Island section or whether they want to do the whole thing? Um, yeah, just give us your tips. Where can people start? Is it something they need to start thinking about years in advance or, yeah, what what are all your best tips? Um, you probably will start thinking about it years in advance, to be fair, because um, it takes uh, for the average Joe Ball person, I guess. I don't know. Um the average person a while to sort of work up the courage to do something like that because it is mm. it's huge you know um mm. but the first step in all how honesty, many days was yours um so I ended up skipping a bunch of Canterbury because I'd walked it two years prior um and there was just some really bad weather and the decision was made that it was easier for me to go from like Boyle um to Rangitata um, so the only part of the South Island I haven't done is the second half of the Harper's Pass. <laughs> I still need to go back and do that. Um, so all up, it was about, I think I walked a total of 40 days. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's definitely um, a commitment. Yeah, and I had I had a bunch of like rest days um, just because my knees aren't great um, and my feet aren't great. So I took my time a little bit and just sort of skipping because I intended to walk it all the way through originally. Um, but skipping that bunch of Canterbury just left me with time up my sleeve and then I could really just sort of relax and actually really enjoy the walk and take an extra day off if I wanted to and stuff my face in Queenstown. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the towns are for. That's what all the cities are for. Get to the best restaurants and oh, and all you look, can. You get so hungry, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's amazing how much food you can actually put away. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's a key piece of advice I think that um, listeners can take on board as well. I think like the very first thing you have to do is just make the decision. Mm. You make, and it was the same for me with Coast to Coast. You make the decision, you make the commitment, and then you honestly just find ways to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I very first stepped foot on TA, I remember the first day I was just really overwhelmed because I was like, oh my God, you've elected to walk 1300 kilometers. You know? <laughs> and it's like, not just 1300 kilometers, you're going to be walking over mountains and through rivers. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I all this sort of day stuff. One must feel so daunting when you're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. After you're just you're like, halfway, you've got halfway under your belt, but day one and two must be pretty brutal. Yeah, because you're just questioning yourself and you're like, did I really decide to do this? Like, this is crazy. But you just end up sort of, you know, you you break it down into bite-sized chunks. So it's mm. like, okay, so where am I getting to today? I'm going to get to this campsite. Yeah. And if you can't get to that campsite, then you get to the one before it. And it's like, okay, okay that's yeah. cool. That's fine. And then the next day yeah. you just kind of like, you aim to get to a place. But if you don't get there, it's like, yeah, you just get to wherever you get. You've got your tent on your back, you know, like if you have to camp somewhere, you can't get to a hut or whatever, then that's what you have to do. And it's just sort of how you end up 
um, going about the whole thing, you know, like when you break it down into bite-sized chunks, all of a sudden it's not so daunting. And it's the same process, um, you know, like when you make the decision to do it, it seems huge. You have to sort through all the gear changes, you know, you've got to work out how you're going to feed yourself and what you're going to do if you're going to make your own stuff or if you're going to buy it and how are you going to afford that and how are you going to afford the gear and, you know, you're going to get yourself fit to do it and, you know, like you've got I'm to organize all the time off work. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's it. And think about. Yep. Break it down into bite-sized chunks, make the decision and then just take the first step. Like it's literally as simple as that. It worked for me with Coast, it worked for me with um, TA as well. That's probably the biggest piece of advice I have. Like if it's in your head and it's bugging you and it's not going away, just decide to do it. Just do it. Make the decision, set a date and commit. Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. Um, Well, we're probably at the end of our time, but um, what's, what's coming up next for you? Um, I've got a couple of really cool trips that are just in the pipelines um, with my friend uh, Steph. Um, I've got some leave coming up in October, so we're planning on going up the back of Wakateri, um, up the pots and up to Cameron Hut um, and just kind of taking some off-route stuff. And then we want to do uh, Whitcomb Pass. So we want to go up to Lyle Hut, cross the uh, Rakaia River and cross over to the West Coast over Whitcomb. And then we have a rough plan at this stage to um, hitchhike down to Franz Joseph and work our way back over to the East Coast. But we haven't quite worked out the second stage yet. But that won't be till I don't know, maybe January, February. So we've got some time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds so cool. And I feel like it's always quite fun to have something something lined up. You know what your next adventure is, your next hike, your next challenge. Um, and having that to sort of look forward to and plan towards is always awesome. That's motivating, that's for sure. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to share um, before we sort of wrap this episode up? If that's your medicine, if, if mountains are your medicine, um, you know, if that's where you find joy, if that's where you find peace, if that's where you find healing – then something like TA, it doesn't necessarily have to be TA, but I honestly think that if everybody could do something akin to it, and maybe it's like solo travel or something, it just gets you out of your comfort zone, you know, and, and gets you to sort of experience the world in a different way to the way you experience it when you're at home and going to work and, you know, just living day-to-day life. It should be something that everybody should do because I honestly think it would make the world a better place. Like it made the world a better place for me. Um, It changed the way that I see people and it changed the way that I see myself. And I just think, yeah, the world would be so much more awesome and so much more compassionate and so much more fun if everybody could do something like this. Well, I've got absolutely nothing to add to that. Um, I I think that's a really <laughs> great challenge that you've sort of put to everyone listening to this. Um, that's that's really beautiful, and that's something that I'm gonna take on board as well. Um, so where can people find you on socials, Jermaine? Where can people connect with you? Where can they follow along with some of your upcoming adventures? <laughs> so really, in all honesty, the only place um that I'm active is uh, Instagram. It's just mountain underscore mama, M-U-M-M-A underscore N-Z. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that that's linked in the description so that people can head there and yeah, follow along with all your future adventures. Cool. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for speaking your story um, and for sharing some really, really valuable insight. I, I really appreciate all that you've shared with us today. Oh, thank you for listening.
Life can be messy and beautiful and confusing and complicated and rewarding and just a whole bunch of things all at once. I think as we go through life, we all find our own ways to deal with and process things. I found so much value in this episode hearing Jermaine's story of how she navigated life, processed what had happened to her in her journey while walking the length of the South Island on the TA. And I just love the way that nature doesn't judge. It gives us space to process whatever emotions we have, whether it's joy, gratitude, anger, grief, whether it's something big from your past or it's just letting go of the stress of the last week. Just before you go, this month is the New Zealand Podcast Awards and I've got a 10 second favour to ask. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could leave a rating for this podcast. Wherever you're listening, if you're on Apple or Spotify, it will literally take 10 seconds to leave a review and to show the world how much you love this show. Do it right now while I'm waiting. I am so grateful for every single one of my listeners and I can say that this community is growing and it's growing fast with almost 2,000 podcast listens in the last month. It's a massive achievement for an independent podcast. I'm really excited to enter the podcast awards this year. Make sure you're following me at Abigail Hannah on Instagram because voting will be open soon for the People's Choice Award and I'll have all the real-time updates over on Insta. And it's been 10 seconds, so thank you for leaving a review and I can't wait to have you back next week for another banging episode. Until next time, keep adventuring.